Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we continue our study of the second book of Samuel, that Shmuel Bet. We are about to begin chapter 19. At the end of chapter 18, we have just read of the victory of David's forces over Avshalom's forces, and um, thus restoring David to his throne and saving the united monarchy, at least for now. And... Um, we also learned of the death of Avshalom. At the end of the last verse of chapter 18, David was informed of the death of Avshalom. And despite David having commanded his troops, most specifically his leaders and Yoab, uh, not to harm Avshalom, <coughs> they obviously did not heed his um, instructions and killed him anyway. Uh, one would imagine that Yoav felt that no, his, his did it out of loyalty to David because he felt that leaving Avshalom alive would simply allow for future rebellions and that he deserved to die, and he did it in order to safeguard David's kingdom. Nonetheless, he was clearly and blatantly uh, disobeying his master. So when we begin with verse 1, Vayir Gaz HaMelach, the king was angry. His initial reaction was that of anger because obviously over the fact that his instructions weren't heeded vayal al aliyata sha'ar and he immediately went up to the uh, the upper chamber of the gate you know around the gate of the city so he went to the upper chamber there vayevk and he began to cry he was angry and then he began to cry it is impossible to ignore and not feel the tremendous amount of guilt that David feels now. David has, after, you know, the guilt, most especially because of the sin that he did that led to this, all of the, this, this um, destruction and death that has occurred over these last few chapters as a result of what he had done. And now it resulted in the loss of his son. The fact that his son went astray the fact that his son killed his other son, Amnon, the rape of, 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 of Tamar, his, his daughter. The, I mean, it just goes on and on in the long list. And now this massive civil war and now the death of Avshalom. He was hoping, hoping that maybe he can save Avshalom and somehow make some kind of reconciliation. But instead, that's not what happened. Instead, it was his death. So Vayevki began to cry, Vako Omar, and this is what he said, Bilechto, as he was just, it, you get the image of him pacing back and forth, Bini Avshalom, my son Avshalom, Bini, Bini Avshalom, my son, my son Avshalom, Mi Itain Musi Ani if only I would have died instead of you, Avshalom, Bini, Bini, my son, my son. So this is how David uh, started to weep and cry. And, and this overwhelming sense of guilt that David feels for all that had happened, all the, uh, you know, and also looking back at his behavior, how he ignored Avshalom all these years, and how he, the, 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 even the slight reconciliation that we thought we had was never truly heartfelt, it was never really real, and, and, and all of this led to this terrible disaster. Vayugadli Yoav, and it was told to Yoav, and people came around and said to Yoav, the king is crying and he's mourning over Avshalom. <coughs> so here, we just fought this tremendous war and battle. We, we, we literally put our lives on the line for the king. We won, 
and we come home and instead of getting a, a, a hero's welcome, the king starts to cry and, and is and is mourning. Immediately the the um the victory that the people had had over the enemy but turned into just mourning for everyone. Because people heard everyone saying that day, the king, his reaction is, he's just sad about the loss of his son. <coughs> and this verse paints this tragic image of how the people just kind of snuck into the city, <coughs> returning from the battlefield, they snuck in in the way, same way that a defeated army would sneak into the city <coughs> not really wanting to see anyone or talk to anyone because they had no victory to, uh, to be proud of and celebrate and said they had defeat. While, you know, imagine this army that had just did everything they did and put their lives on the line for victory and were victorious, but they have to come back as if they were um, defeated. <laughs> and the king um, covered his face by his and he cried out in a loud loud voice so that others around would hear, he just cried, my son, my son, my son. So this situation, Yoav knew he needed to do something to change this situation. Yoav understood that at this point, this is not the time to confront the king and argue with him about why he had to kill Avshalom or why he did kill Avshalom. But rather, this is the time when the king needs to stand up and, and congratulate his soldiers and reunite the monarchy and he can get back to mourning Avshalom later. There's a job to do now. So in verse 6, by Avo Yoav Yoav came to the king into the house where the king was staying. And, and he says to him as follows, Hovashta Hayom et Pnechol Avodecha. You have you have uh, humiliated all of your servants, that has saved your life today, <coughs> you are going to be killed by Absalom and his forces. These people saved your lives, and now you're treating them this way. And they've saved not only your life, but the lives of your sons and your daughters, because you know what Absalom would have done with the rest of the family. And the lives of your wives, of your concubines. <coughs> <coughs> because what are you doing now? You're demonstrating love and, and concern over the people that hated you. And instead, you are hating those that have loved you. Because what is it that you have said? What message have you told us today? That the... Um, that all of these servants and all of these officers that have loyally stood by your side mean nothing to you. Because I know today, because it, it seems clear from what you, um, it seems clear from your behavior today, <coughs> that if Avshalom was alive, and we had all died in battle, that would have been good for you. In other words, all you care about is Avshalom, but the fact that we won the battle, that we survived the battle, we who stood by your side loyally, that means nothing 
But if Absalom had he lived, and he's your enemy, and we, who stood by your side, died, you wouldn't care. Now this is clearly, clearly um, not, not true. Absalom, I mean, uh, Yoav clearly knew this was not true. I, uh, you know, but 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 it, he's saying this to shake David out of the, uh, out of the the funk that he was in to get him to try to see what he needed to do as king at this moment. Um, but it's still extremely brazen to imagine Yoav saying this to the king. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a very, um, very shocking statement here. Um, but this is what he said. So verse 8, now he tells the king what to do in, in a way that's, that's, it's, it's hard to imagine, but here we go. Kum say, get up and get out there, vidaber and speak to the to the uh, to to the hearts of your servants. In other words, speak to them in a way that they see that you mean it. Ki nishbati, because I have sworn by God. Ki encha because that if you do not go out, im yalin ish itcha there won't be a single person staying here to support you. If you want to maintain your support in your monarchy, you better go out there and congratulate the people on their victory and show them how grateful you are for what they've done for you and put together your kingdom again. And this will be worse than every other bad thing that has happened until now in your entire life. So if you don't do this now, you will lose everything because we're your supporters. We stood by your side. If you reject us now, if you reject the people now, you're completely lost. Vayakam HaMelech, the king, got the message and he got up by Yeshev Bashar and he sat in the in the in the gate, in other words, greeting the the, the soldiers, and he told the entire army as follows. Um, I'm sorry, and when and and to the and when the entire nation it was told, Bashar, that um, the king is now sitting in the gate. So then the army came before the king, Yisrael, and Israel, and here Israel is referring to the attacking Israelite armies, the ones that attacked them, then they all ran away and, and retreated into their tents. They all went back home. So the, the, and which indicates clearly that, that the armies of Israel, the armies of Avshalom, were still poised to attack. And Yoav was obviously very right in what he had said, that had the king continued his behavior, his own supporters would have stopped supporting him and the enemy would have ended up uh, attacking David, and the whole monarchy would have been completely lost. So now, <laughs> and now, all of the people uh, in the tribes of Israel, now we start to see a, um, a even more of a, um, uh, a fracturing between the northern tribes of Israel and the tribe of Judah, which eventually, as we know, in hindsight, several generations later will result in complete uh, a split of the kingdom. At this point, we, we start to see the seeds of that split. I mean, not start. We've been seeing on and off throughout the, uh, this, the book of Shmuel, but it gets even more and more uh, blatant, more and more clear. So the, the, uh, the, um, among the tribes of Israel, they were saying, they started looking at themselves honestly and thinking, wait a minute, David, this king, the king, <coughs> he did a lot of great things for us. He saved us from all of our enemies. <coughs> he saved us from the Philistines. 
who had been a thorn in the side of the people of Israel for hundreds of years now, but now David has finally conquered them and even made them made the, made the remnant of them into allies. And now he's been chased out of the land because of Absalom. So, <coughs> so let's bring him back. Absalom Omar Mashach Mishach. I'm sorry. Absalom Omar and Absalom Asher Mashachnu Aleinu. The one who we decided to make king instead of David, he's dead. He died in war. Why are you guys not bringing the king back? So the people of Israel started to to realize it's time for us to recognize David, bring him back. <coughs> Let's go bring him back and and make him our king again and reestablish the monarchy. We know we see what kind of success he had. So here David. Uh, now is in a position where his former enemies are starting to recognize that they should have stayed with David all along. David had accomplishments, real achievements. Absalom did nothing except make a massive battle which resulted in lots of death, including the death of Absalom himself. So then, so that's, this is nice, this is good, this is an opportunity. So let's see, but no, uh, verse 12, Yamelech tovid sholach et tzadok v'yalav yasor, el tzadok v'yalav yasor ha'kohanim le'mar. And David sent a message to Tzadok and Aviatar. Remember, they were still back in Jerusalem. And the message was as follows. Dabru el Yehuda Lamar. I want you to speak to the elders of Judah, saying as follows. Lama tiyu achronim. Why should you guys be, uh, be the latecomers to the party? If the northern tribes of Israel are now sending delegations to bring me back to Jerusalem and reestablish the kingdom... Why don't you? Why are Why are you guys? Uh, you know, playing second fiddle. to bring the king back to his house. Yisrael right? And um. Uh, and and you know and so. And 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 because the words of the entire Israel is that the king should return to his house. So why should you guys be, you know, left behind? So. The, ideally, what should have happened here was Judah and Israel Judah should have sent messengers to each other and decided together to bring David back. But that's not what the leaders of each tribal group did. <coughs> what happened? Um, let's see. Achayatem. Well, well, I mean, before we get there, uh, this is still part of the message. Uh, David is telling the people of Judah, you guys are my brothers. You guys are my family. Right? I'm one of you. Why should you be the latter ones? Why should you be late to the party and bringing the king back? <coughs> and to Amasa, remember Amasa was, was <coughs> um, <coughs> David's cousin, and he was established as the chief of staff of, 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 of Absalom's army, of the enemy army. So Amasa was, was one of the leaders of the rebellion, but David, and as we've seen his behavior before, is trying to find an opportunity to reunite the people. He doesn't want to come back in vengeance and, and kill everyone who rebelled against him. He wants to bring them back in. He wants to bring about a united, a, a united kingdom. So he says, tell Amasa as follows. Hello, Atzmi Uvasariata, you're also my family. Remember, Amasa was David's cousin. Ko yaseli Elohim v'cho Yosef. So such should happen to uh, to me uh, by God, 
and so should, and even worse. In other words, if I don't appoint you as the head of my army in the place of Yoab. So here he's taking the enemy commander. So now David is, is expressing the anger that he has against Yoav for what Yoav did. Yoav had disobeyed David's command and killed Absalom. So Yoav is pushing towards dividing the people, pushing towards getting rid of, the, of those who rebelled. David wants to bring them in, so he tells Amasa, who was the enemy commander, to take over his own troops. Whether this is a good idea or a bad idea, it depends on your perspective. The impression one, one starts to get from the verses as we read through them is that the prophet himself, or the writer, uh, the narrator of, of Shmuel, is kind of, wants to give us the impression that it's ambivalent. That, in other words, it might be this, you can see David's perspective, but you can also see Yoav's perspective. Which one is right, which one is wrong, that's very difficult to, to really know at this point. Um, uh, did, was Yoav justified in killing Avshalom? I'm sure anyone of the listeners can make a good case in support of Yoav and what he did. Uh, was, can we understand David's perspective? I'm sure we can make a good case to understand David's perspective as well. Not all decisions are simple. Not all decisions have simple answers, and that's the impression one wants to get. But now to take Amasa and make him the chief of staff, is that a wise move? Is that a very unwise move? Does that potentially put a potential challenger to the king in an extremely high position? Yes. It, does it potentially bring the people back together? Maybe. Let's see. Let's see how this plays out. But this is what David does. He takes Yoav out of his position because of what he had done, and Amos places Amasa in that position. So now Amasa, who's a member of the tribe of Judah, then, because remember, Judah was split now, because Judah itself, many of the Judeans supported Avshalom, who was also obviously of David's family, right? And Avshalom started his rebellion in Judah with Judeans. So it's kind of a mixed up bag of loyalties here. So, um, so but Amasa did bring the heart of the people of Judah together. He raised uh, the... Uh, support of David in, uh, among the tribe of Judah. So now the tribe of Judah is ready to and then they sent delegations telling the king, come back to Jerusalem, you and your entourage. <laughs> so while initially Judah was ambivalent because many of the Judeans supported Absalom, <coughs> but the people of Israel felt that they should bring David back, now the people of Judah in part because of David's efforts at reuniting the people and taking Amasa, who was a supporter of the rebellion, and bringing him into his side, <coughs> they also want to do it. But inadvertently, what this creates now is a fight between Judah and Israel over who should lead the procession in reestablishing David's monarchy. And that's what we're, we're going to read soon. <coughs> so the king began his journey back to Jerusalem, and he got to the point of the Jordan River, a key point which will, uh, which once he crosses the Jordan River, he'll be entering the territory of Judah. So the Yehuda Baha Gilgala, the people of Judah then came to Gilgal. Remember, Gilgal is the area that was originally settled by Joshua when he first crossed the Jordan into the west part, the west bank of the Jordan River. And uh, so Gilgal is near the crossing. 
So Yehuda is there, ready to greet the king. To come out and greet the king. To bring the king across the Jordan, which is a, a crucial point of this procession, of this triumphant procession of bringing the king back to Jerusalem. <coughs> At this point, <coughs> the king is about to cross. Shim'i ben Geira. Shim'i ben Geira is the guy who was making fun of the king, throwing stones at the king as they were refugees running from Jerusalem back a couple chapters ago when, when the situation for David looked extremely bleak. How, my, how things have changed since then for David and his, and his supporters. So Shimi ben Geira realizes, of course, that he needs to do something. Otherwise, potentially, this could be the end of his life. As, um, so he comes, Ben Hayamini, and it reminds us that he was a Benjaminite. The Benjaminites would have, their, much, much of their support still lied with the house of Saul. Remember, that's who, where Saul came from. So there's still some, some divided loyalties there. So Shimi ben Geira wants to establish to David that he's a strong Davidic supporter. Ashermi Bachurim, he was from the place of Bachurim, which is not far from Jerusalem. We've, that place has come up several times in the last couple chapters. Vayeredim Ishihuda, and he came down with the people. Ishihuda would mean the leaders of Judah, right? He came down with them, Likrat Hamelach David, to greet the King David. <coughs> What's going to be, what kind of uh, reception is Shimi ben Geir going to have? The Elif Ish Imomi Binyamin. And with him were a thousand men from Benjamin, including <coughs> some other important characters, including Vitziva Narbechol, Tziva, who was the servant of Mephibosheth, right? So he was uh, a, a, a young man who worked in the house of Shaul, the remaining house of Saul, Mephibosheth being Saul's son, his remaining heir, uh, and and the one who uh, we're going to be reading about soon as well, <coughs> and Siva came with his entire entourage of 15 sons, and 20 servants, and they came down to the Jordan to, in, to, to appear before the king. So, and when the uh, passing, some kind of a ferry that was bringing the, the entire king's household across the Jordan, um, <coughs> right? he wanted to be there when they were, this passing was taking place. He wanted to treat the king well. Vishimi ben Geira, and at this point, so we're going to have comf- uh, all of the people that are worried, you know, what's the king going to do? Right? How is he going to treat us now? Are now here, and each one wants to establish themselves before David comes back to Jerusalem to make sure they don't lose their lives, lose their fortunes, etc. They want to establish themselves in good graces with the king. <coughs> so first, <coughs> the verse is going to tell us about the um, how Shimi ben Geira tries to gain good graces with the king. So Nafalaf Neamelach he falls before the king Biavro by Ardain when he is crossing the Jordan and he says to the king. <coughs> please, my master, do not, do not remember my sin. Do not, please, uh, forgive my sin. And please do not remember. Please do not, uh, you know, hold against me. That terrible thing which your servant had done, that I had done. That which I had done when you were, when you, my master, had left Jerusalem. Remember, he doesn't say the words. Uh, when he was running from Jerusalem, that would have been humiliating. He says, when he had left, 
Let don't don't put it to your heart. Don't think about it. Please don't. Because I, your servant, I know that what I had done was terrible. What I had done was a terrible sin. I have come today, the first one from the house of Yosef, the house of Yosef. And it's interesting because he was a Benjaminite from Benjamin, but he's calling himself from the house of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh. Benjamin is technically not Beit Yosef, but you see the, here that Benjamin, Binyamin, the tribe of Binyamin, is allying themselves with the northern kingdom, <coughs> which is often called Beit Yosef, because the northern kingdom's primary tribes were Ephraim and Manasseh, at least, you know, and, uh, and Binyamin is, is, is already uh, ethnically aligned with, um, with the house of Joseph. So he's saying, I was the first of those tribes to come down here. And, and, and greet you, Loretta, to come down, to greet the king. So this was um, uh, Shimi ben Gera's plea to David to please forgive me, please forgive what I have done. I'm here, I'm loyal, I'm here to escort you, and I'm leading the delegation to escort you back triumphantly to Jerusalem. What David's answer is going to be, how he's going to handle this Shimi ben Gera, we will find out on the next podcast when we read verse 22 in the next half of chapter 19. Thank you so much for studying this together. Have a wonderful day. Looking forward to studying the rest of chapter 19 and the rest of the book of Shmuel together.